3: LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American
4: Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash business gold card.
5: AT&T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into to work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and Happy Kwanzaa. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Happy Holidays. Enjoy this throwback episode of Black Tech Green Money over your holiday season. Afrotech2016. San Francisco California. Cedric Rogers, who at the time is leading Look and an app that helps you shop the favorite styles of celebrities and influencers is on the main stage discussing the transition both mental and physical from being a consumer to a producer to an investor.
6: That Over the last 10 years Mark Zuckerberg has made more money than every NBA player combined. I was like wow. <laughs> And I was still at Apple. I said, oh, I'm doing this wrong. So I said, you know, I want to move from being a consumer to a producer to an investor. And Paul said, you know what, Cedric, you're living the same challenges as most of us. It's called the dreamer's dilemma. See, either you can risk chasing your dreams, or you can have the safety of working on someone else's. Question is which one you gonna choose? It's easy. I went to Tech Square Labs. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. For those of you all on the East Coast that want to think about building, this is a place that you can come and learn how to build something from nothing. You gotta do what you love. Prioritize your passion, but tell the world because they'll hold you accountable. And from there, you'll be able to make it happen. So the way I say it is, listen, Don't define your destiny by where you are today. If you have a plan in your heart, go after it and achieve
5: it. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're Black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Collab Capital is an investment fund leveraging financial, human, and social capital to help black founders build sustainable, innovation-centered businesses. The three managing partners, Barry Givens, Jill Burks, and Justin Dawkins, are previously operators and engineers who've run innovative startups, raised significant venture capital, and successfully sold their companies. I asked the partners about the state of Black startups and what is unique about this current moment in history that may collab capital both an opportunity and necessary step in their respective careers.
7: It is so important right now to be supporting investing in Black founders because we know that this year alone has been Crazy for everyone. <laughs> um, but in particular, for Black founded businesses, um, there's some scary statistics out there around the fact that 40% of Black founded companies may not recover at all from right. COVID. And uh, we want to make sure that the companies that we can support actually do make it. And so, even before that, though, even before this year and before, you know, people became became more aware of the fact that black founded companies needed more resources. We already were on this mission to invest in black founders. And it was really born out of our own journeys. All of us have built companies before all of us have had difficulty raising money before getting access to the right networks. And so we kind of made a vow to ourselves and to each other that when we could, we would make sure that the next generation of entrepreneurs coming up behind us, would not have to deal with some of the things that we had to deal with on our journeys. So that's really the why is, you know, we saw this opportunity in the market to serve Black founders. We think there's a huge market opportunity, not just a, it's not a charity opportunity. It's really a business opportunity to support Black founders. And we felt like we were the right people to do it, um, given our experience and given our backgrounds.
5: Barry, let's talk about that. So, you know, being venture funded in your your career, trajectory, your business, and what is it about the traditional VC ecosystem that may not be great for black entrepreneurs where we get, you know, disproportionately affected by decisions or ways of doing business?
8: Yeah, I'll touch on two quick points covering that. Um, and thank you for having us today too. We appreciate oh, sure. it, man. Um, get that out the way. Um, but, you know, like going through this journey, you even if you look at funds, you know, that have, you know, black managing partners, right. And or funds that focus on diversity or, you know, uh, marginalized people, um, black founders still tend to be marginalized within the marginalized. Mm. Um, And so it was a really big deal for us to say, like we are
9: unapologetically
8: black. Like we don't use words like minority. We don't use words like diversity. Like we invest in black founders because that is the issue. Like when you think about diversity statistics, we were still being left in the dust, right? And so then you take it a step further and let's say black founders do get that first check. The way that venture capital is built now is that it's always running to the next check. It's always running to the next round. Um, and you take companies like mine that we, you know, I was able to secure capital. And then when you need to get to that next level that's typically where black founders, you can't find that person that believes in you to, to give you that eight million, which what we were raising, you can't find that, you know, seven, $8 million for your series A. Um, And we needed to create a model that allowed for founders to not depend on that system, right? Like you, so even when we get them to build these sustainable businesses, you run your business and you decide if you go ask them, but you decide if you give somebody the opportunity to invest in your business, um, and that's how we allow black founders to be more successful, because honestly, we're not going to change that system overnight. And in this world, if you can't get to series B, you know, and keep raising and keep raising um, a lot of times you don't reach that level of success. And so those are two things, you know, of why we we found it so important to develop this new model.
5: And and Justin, when I think about um and Barry and Jules just talked about, you know, having that access to capital. And you know this as well as anybody. It's often more than just capital that we need. Although the capital is important. There's this, you know, a tweet going around talks about we are over mentored and underfunded. Right. And too, too often. And but other things beyond the capital is also important, too. So I don't want to talk about I want to talk about this a couple of times during this conversation. Like what other things do entrepreneurs need that particularly black entrepreneurs don't get in traditional VC relationships that you guys made it a priority to focus on?
10: Yeah, no, that's a a great question, Will, um, and and really appreciate that question because it it really points to the purpose of collab. I mean, it's short for collaboration. Um, One of the things that is often just one of many things that's often missing um, is usually promised, which is, oh, we're going to be your partners. We're going to do the things that we need to do to um, sidecar the capital, right, that's going into the business. But the level of intentionality is not always there, which is the the commitment, the, the willingness to, to get into the weeds. Um, and as experienced operators, all three of us having built different types of businesses and helped to create other types of businesses, we recognize and understand that sometimes the best investors are experienced operators, folks who understand how to kind of get into the weeds, how to identify business models and opportunities, and then build out of build out of that experience as opposed to just bringing capital. Uh, and then the other thing is access to, to networks, right? Yeah, so yeah. business is still relationship centric. And so no matter how many machines and, and artificial intelligence we put in place, we need relationships and you know two notches above warm intros. We need highly intentional um, relationships that are developed and nurtured. And so there's, there's lines of trust so that, that our founders can get into the doors secure the, the the conversations that they need to have and get the deals actually done. And so those are the things that we are actually focused on a collab through um, our non-capital um, contributions and investments.
5: Um, and Barry, because, you know, we're working towards building more inclusion and economic opportunity for entrepreneurs who typically haven't seen these opportunities historically. Um, how do you approach them differently to meet their needs? And what I mean by that is, is there a difference in, the term sheet structure like that you would give a black entrepreneur versus one that a VC in a traditional firm might give. And and we don't have to just stick to term sheets, but how is it, um, how are the structures set up with that capital infusion different if they are for black founders versus the typical ones they might receive? So,
8: I mean, we can dive into that super deep. You talk about just traditional term sheets that, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't even get into the terms sheets, but I got <laughs> um, the, the the terms just typically aren't there. And so typically what you'll hear is, you know, as a black founder, you need to have, you know, series A level progress to get C level terms. You got to have mm-hmm. series B level progress to get series A level terms. Uh, you know, you take businesses like, you know, a part pick um, or a masseur, like it, these businesses that we were growing. And, you know, you have seven figure revenues and you still can't get over, you know, you still can't raise five, seven, eight million dollars. And you have companies out here, you know, not to throw names out there, but I'm pretty sure people know it. But people with, you know, 2,000 users getting a hundred million dollar valuation. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It's, it, it, you know, how do you compete in that world? And so basically what we said is like, let's break that world down. And something that I tend to like to brag about is that. You know we we tore that model down not in a negative way but just literally layer by layer by layer and pull back to find out why are these inequalities here how was this system built uh when you tear it all the way back uh justin wrote a piece and when he sent it over to us to read you know one of the um things in the piece was that you know venture capital started when black people still couldn't vote yeah yeah Like, like this was constructed at a time when we had no power and That's so obviously it wasn't yeah. built for us. And so now when we, when we strip it back layer by layer by layer, one of the big things that we wanted to focus on in our model was ownership and flexibility as black founders. How many times have we seen a founder build a company and get removed as CEO? That's right. So we told they have to go in this direction. And so what we did was we built a model from scratch, um, like we're not using a traditional, we're not using a safe note or a convertible note or a traditional series A term sheet. Um, we built and spent a year and a half, about 18 months, building an entirely new investment vehicle um, that allowed us to give the founders that ownership and that flexibility to run the company the way they think it needs to be ran. Obviously with us as advisors and with our LP network and, and that human capital that Justin talked about. But for us, like that is the important thing Like we want these founders to build generational wealth and you don't build generational wealth by not owning the thing that that you built. And so that's where a lot of our focus is in our model.
5: That's really, really, really good. And I think about. Not only do you have the differences in, in focusing on black entrepreneurs specifically in our needs, but you also have a geo- geographical difference. Like what is the difference, Jewel, if you can speak to this? What is the difference between raising money in a traditional network like ecosystem like a Silicon Valley versus like a, a, a Georgia or in the South, period? Like what are those critical differences that you're going to get when you're having those conversations with angels and VCs?
7: Yeah, term sheets and the terms in general look very different in Silicon Valley than they look in Atlanta. And that's one of the things that we really wanted to focus in on as well is that you shouldn't have to be in Silicon Valley or in New York or in Boston to build a great business. You should be able to build wherever you have the right network and you have the customer base and you have the talent um wherever is 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 works for your particular business and so that's one of the things that we've built into the model is how do we leverage what's strong about the cities that we're in talking about black people we're in atlanta so how do we leverage what's great about atlanta the influence the culture um, (laughs) right you know the access to fortune 500 companies how do we leverage all of those things to make startups successful here and so everywhere that we wanna be, think about Detroit, think about Atlanta, think about Baltimore. Um, how do we go into those cities and really tap into what's already there instead of trying to recreate what has been, what's worked, arguably worked for Silicon yeah. Valley. Let's not try to make you know these little mini Silicon Valleys, let's try to make ecosystems that work for the people there and yeah. then allow those people to stay there, build their companies there impact the communities there. That's what we want to be a part of and what we think our model helps facilitate.
5: And sticking with you, Jewel, like there are people who come to this conference and are looking to invest and maybe they're not sophisticated investors, but they, they've got a little bit of money, you know, put away, or maybe they have high incomes or et cetera. They're looking for deals. And how should people who have that makeup, um, dip their either. I don't even know if it's a good way to say dip their toe in the water. Cause you are in, you know, once you write that check, you just married somebody but Like, how do you learn to do this? Like you guys aren't, you know, you don't have historical VC, you know, DNA. Right. But how do you, how do you learn how to do this and, um, do it in a way where you understand that you're going to make some bad calls?
7: Well, we would argue that you should invest in collab so we can,
5: you. <laughs> there you go.
7: <laughs> but I, you know, one of the things that 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 I did and, and Barry and Justin have done as well is um we got out there, we started making writing checks and putting our own capital um at risk to see what is this thing all about. So before we started collab, I was experimenting with different ways to put together deals with my angel investments and then also learning from other funds through lp investments and so the the best way to learn is really to put some money out there and see what happens and i don't i always tell new investors you should invest like this money is not coming back it's very risky to invest in early stage companies but um you know one of the ways is just to, to start even if you're starting small with you know thousand five thousand ten thousand dollar checks that's one way and then i made a joke at the beginning about just investing in collab but really we did build a model to get more particularly black investors activated and get them more comfortable with the idea of investing in early stage technology yeah. scalable companies and one of the unique things about our model is that In a typical VC fund structure, if you invest, you're expecting that you're not going to see that money in the next seven to 10 years because you're waiting on exits. But in our model, given that we have this profit share model, we expect to be returning capital to our LPs within three years of their investment. So just a little difference, but it was really built to help activate people that are a little timid to put their capital to work in this way.
5: Justin, let's dive into that profit sharing model. Like, how does that functionally work? So when you get, when you find somebody, you run into somebody at you know the gathering spot or wherever you at, and they like, yo, I got fifty grand, you know, just put away to to do something with, like, and you're explaining to me, I'm gonna make money faster, or potentially make some money back faster than that seven to ten, you know, year span. Jewel talks about how does that functionally work.
10: It's oh, that's a great question, Will. Um, it's something that we we actually enjoy talking about when we're talking to LPs, uh, particularly of the, the, the more experienced VC path. They understand yeah. that a little bit more. So it's always great to kind of unearth and peel back the layers of what we, what we work to do. Um, for for that, inv- that investor, for that potential limited partner in our company, our, that LP, uh, what we focus on is kind of two key things. One, we still need you to, to be an active limited partner, right? We still want you to activate those networks to help you know, um, open doors, provide pathways for revenue and profitability for our companies. Um, and so that's kind of the, the very first thing we wanna do is we, we want rela- relationships and we want collaboration. And then on the actual fund mechanics side of it, what we do is we focus on profit sharing. And so um, instead of waiting that the, the seven to 10 years as Jewel described, um, when, there's an, when we make an investment, we set terms with our target investment with the portfolio company um, and we, we set out a timeframe of when they will actually start to return profits. And as those profits return uh, through our investment vehicle, uh, we then distribute directly back to the LPs. And one of the really cool features of our our, um, investment model is we also have growth partners Um, and that those growth partners are largely made up of our LPs. So again, we get to activate them, get them really involved in a, a high touch way um, which also gives them kind of like a, an angel investor level access as far as the the being on the cap table. Where they can actually take direct profits so as the the, the returns come into um the um co- return to the uh, the fund they actually will get a portion of their profit share directly uh to them uh, which can again increases their potential upside um and gets again makes that 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 uh that access they have the work they're willing to do it actually can compensate them much sooner than seven to ten, ten years out
5: barry let's back up like on the how this building a fund actually works. I would imagine there's people here who are not like sophisticated, you know, in, in investment investment on the on the, the investor side of the table, but maybe just dope founders. But when you are starting a fund, like you're, you're starting a startup, you're, you're pitching to people to give you money so you can pitch, so you can give the money away. Right. You talk to me about how this, how this works as starting a startup, which is your a fund in this respect.
9: So chart your own path for business success with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N.
1: State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future Participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
0: You know a spot, but not just a spot— the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque.
2: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant.
8: super different than selling a widget, right? Like I, you know, we were raising, uh, raising for Missouri, you know, I walk in, I'll make people drink, let them touch the technology, you know, they're in awe and they're like, oh crap, this thing really works. Um, you know, and so you have that excitement factor and now you walk into a room and, or I guess nobody's walking in the rooms right <laughs> now, but you hop into a Zoom um, and you say, hey, I need you to give me money for some stuff that I don't even know has come out yet, right? Like, because I'm going to make investments, this money in, you know, 2024. Like, I don't even know if this entrepreneur, this entrepreneur might still be sitting, you know, in, you know, North Carolina A&T as a student right now. We don't know what they're going to do, right? And so uh, that's one of the more difficult parts. But I think just as far as getting a fund off the ground, one of the things I love about our team is that we're operators, right? This is what we do. We go into systems or, you know, industries. And we say, Hey, there is a gap here. There is a problem. And so if you even comb through our website, we don't even mention mention ourselves as venture capitalists. We call ourselves capital entrepreneurs. Like we saw a gap, but there's this big economic gap between people that get funded by bank loans and people that get venture capital. And it's 83 coffin put out this report a couple of years ago that 83% of businesses don't fit those two ways of getting capital. So as an entrepreneur, you look at it, And you say, man, that's a big economic gap that nobody's looking at right now. And so, like, we can go build something that takes advantage of that. And not only could we do that, but a lot of black companies fit in that gap as well. So not only could we take advantage of this economic opportunity, we can also do it in a way that's really good for our community and build some wealth and start printing black millionaires through this model. And so when you look at it that way, from an entrepreneurial perspective, we basically put ourselves in a position that when we walk into investor rooms now we're not competing with the the same funds that are have the same exact traditional model they're coming in and now it's just like hey will you have model a and such and such you have model a.1 right like if you're, you're going after the same people with the same model we put ourselves in a position as entrepreneurs that we're pitching a widget now like we're coming in saying we have this new shiny thing you should be investing in this model like and you all and then you should be investing in this dope-ass team of operators that has proven themselves. And so we're really, we're now we've, we've gotten ourselves comfortable because we're pitching like founders now Man. when we're walking in. And so we're not pitching like a traditional VC will walk in to go raise capital for a fund. And as you can see, this gets me excited because now we're, we're like we've put ourselves in the zone to make Man. ourselves successful.
5: for specific things when they think about putting money in a startup maybe when they're vetting an opportunity they're looking at founder pedigree maybe they're considering the viability of the tech maybe they have a fear of missing out on the next google who knows for collab capital what sparks their interest enough to take a meeting with the startup founder particularly at the earliest stages when there isn't a ton of proof of concept Justin Dawkins speaks on it.
10: Yeah, that's a great question and this is definitely my the sweet spot. This is cuz this is where I love to operate. Um just personally. Uh, I I think we look for uh two key things where I look for two key things. One is grit, right? So tenacity, how do you uh, your ability to solve problems and take any advice and guidance and being able to discern and that, that will take some work and some getting used to especially for early stage companies, but I do look for that and a founder's, were they able to solve a problem or how far were they were able to get in trying to solve their problem before they look for outside help. So that's one thing, right? That's that the yeah. creativity. And then the other thing is, you know, as, a, as now a, a partner in an investment firm, we look for kind of similar personality traits and characteristics as it relates to our community and the impact that we're trying to, to have. So one of, the thing, one of the signals for us is, you know, yes, wealth comes with a lot of benefits, right? So yes, you can, go and buy homes and nicer cars and you know things. But more importantly, what is it that, why are you doing this work? And what is it that you ultimately want to do with the, the wealth that you're generating for you, your company and the community? That's important to me as well. Um, and that's why I started with Social Impact with, with you know, when I did the work with Goody Nation, was I really, really wanted to focus on folks who wanted to solve tough problems. And if we made money along the way, that's wonderful because we can do things with that, but more importantly, what is the impact and the long-term impact of the work that we're doing? So it's more about legacy.
5: So, so Jewel, I think about, you know, when I hear a, an answer, like Justice, like, how do I show you that grit when I'm standing, I'm, I'm walking in the hall during Afro tech conference and I see Jewel walking by, like, how do I, how do I get your attention in that moment to where you're like, Oh, you know what? We should talk after this. How do how yeah. do you do that?
7: You know, it's, it's hard to do, especially at a conference like Afrotech. I'm, you know, given that we're now all online, I'm assuming there will be new and innovative ways that people can kind of get that that attention. But to me, it's not about that initial meeting. I mean, that's great. You need to be able to make yourself known and tell somebody in a split second what you're working on and why they should care. But it's really about the follow-up. I think that is the critical point that people need to pay attention to is Okay, you've gotten my. You met me. You know how to get in touch with me. But then, are what are you doing after? And are you showcasing over time that you're you're on this? You're making progress with me or without me. You're still making it happen. That's a big thing I think a lot of people miss because they're waiting on somebody to show them the way or to give them something and and being stagnant. But the people that really impress me and the people that we've invested in so far are the ones who are able to showcase over time this is this is where you met me now it's a month later and i'm a little bit further i'm a little bit further i'm a little bit further and i'm telling you i'm i'm dictating that progress over time that to me is what gets me excited it makes me like okay well you're on it let me get let me get on your train because you're going somewhere um so that's i think that's what we look for as well
8: you know, um, you J- also had security walking around after taxi, <laughs> so you got to get to her security before you, uh, before you get hey, through it, so.
5: six, six to <laughs> <90. laughs> Yes. You got to get past them boys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and just, just, I think about, um, you know, this is Reed Hoffman called, says, you know, if you're not embarrassed by the first launch of your your first version of your product and you launch too late. And, you know, when you think about, you know, you're a full stack entrepreneur, a full stack engineer. What what are your thoughts on when you're evaluating, you know, some tech that somebody's pitching you to invest in the technical viability of this thing? Like, what are you looking for in that that stack, that code, that whatever, that, you know, its ability to actually make it in the world? Because I imagine if I'm Barry, you know, and I had that machine. You know, and I'm taking this to, to this the to, to suite. I'm going to go show some people I'm nervous, armpits and sweating. And I'm like, please work today. Right. Because you just it's just it's tech. Right. And, and so and you haven't and you haven't always mastered it, especially in those early stages. So when you're building technology, Justin, like how are you as an as an engineer looking at that, that that stack to make sure that what they say they can do, they can actually do.
10: Yeah, um, great question. I think I've ever been asked this question, so I really appreciate it. Hey, um, <laughs> one, um, The first thing is I'm I'm self-taught, so you know I I taught myself how to design. I taught myself how to to, to, to script and build databases and like everything I've I've ever learned, um, I learned it on my own. Um, and so, I give a lot of grace um, to to product and to, to first iterations and early versions of product because I understand that if you piece this together with a no code or low code solution, or you may have gone to two or three developers and that language barrier, like, li- like sometimes figuratively and literally, depending on where your te- your development team is, I understand those things um, because I've, I've dealt with those things firsthand. I've cleaned up code. Um, I'm sure I've delivered messy code that someone else had to come behind and clean up as well. Um, and so I think that the, the, the first thing that I look for is the value that you're providing actually as the end product, and more so than the actual functional parts of the product. Because I understand that with the right team and the right capital, we can always re-engineer, we can refactor it and rebuild it, um, and and get it to a a more stable or or scalable place. So the first thing I do is just, how far did you get? Like, what did you learn? What were you willing to learn? What were you maybe willing to do on your own um, to, to get you as far as you could go? Before you brought in that third engineer, or before you committed to a CTO, uh, I don't want, this, want necessarily for founders to run around and bump their knees all the time. But I do appreciate and respect, you know, being able to piece it together and ultimately provide value. And if somebody's willing to pay you for a product that is imperfect, that to me is a is a great signal that there's something really, really viable and big here. Because if someone's really, willing to pay you for something that 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 uh, breaks down occasionally, but still provides about that. Is, that means that the need is, is strong there. And that's a great company to, to be working on and build.
5: You know, Jewel, I got to follow up with that response, because I know when you built part Pick in the beginning, like you had contractors working on this now and being on the other side of the table now. Like what what are your thoughts on technical contractors? I mean, do you find yourself as an investor? you know, perhaps giving preference to people who have internal teams. And here's why I ask is because I do believe also there is value to having somebody come to you who's been able to engage smart people and sell a team to coming along this journey with them. Right. So what are are your thoughts on that?
7: Yeah. So, you know, part of the answer is it kind of depends on what they're building. If they're building something that is where the technology is just a means to the end, and it, it doesn't matter so much, that's not the core of what they're doing, then I i don't think it's a bad thing for people to engage teams or contractors if it's really just, a you know, part of a solution. If it is something like what we were building at Park Pick, where the core of what we built was the technology, then I'm expecting the person to be able to attract that first early core CTO or technical co-founder because it's it's core to what it what they're building. So that's the first thing I, I think about is what are you what are you building? Is it something that you can pull off the shelf or are you trying to build new technology that actually needs a dedicated uh engineer, you know, expert in-house to build it? Um so that's one thing. And then the other piece to your point, I think that first person or few people that you attract that says a lot about you as a founder and you're going to have to keep doing that over and over again attracting folks to join your team you know attracting investors if you decide to go that route attracting customers so i think that that early that's an early indicator of how good of a salesperson you are to bring people onto the team and yeah. So those are the two things that I consider is, is it crucial to the product or to the, the business? And then what am I able to learn about the founder as far as what they've been able to attract to them? I think people could tell a lot more about, if they looked at pick, they could actually say, tell a lot more about the business by looking at folks like Nashley, Dr. Nashley Cephas and the fact that we had five PhDs from Georgia Tech that were on our team. If they were looking they would be like oh okay there must be something here that all these people have decided to spend time in this way so that's how i think about it but i again to justin's point i do have grace because i had to crawl through some (laughs) hard
11: time
7: (laughs) (laughs) so i do understand in that first year or so people trying to just figure that part out
5: yeah you know barry this may be um a very general question to very specific cases but like as a rule of thumb um, what is a good answer to what are you going to do with this capital when I write you a
2: check?
1: Ooh,
8: that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> uh, there, there are several good answers, um, and I think it's really, to your point, it's a general question, right? I think different companies need different things. Uh, from a general perspective, I think just having a plan, like even if it's not 100% right, like just showing me that you literally thought through like, I'm going to need to hire these four people, and they're going to cost, in my region, right, the average developer costs $80,000 a year, and I'm going to need two sales associates, and they're going to be on commission for this much because I can't afford to bring in. A, like, the fact that you went through that exercise, the fact that you went through and said my AWS costs are going to go from here to here, and then that's your customer growth, right? Like, the fact that you thought through these things and you can put in front of me and show me that your mind in the right place, but at the same time, maybe you're a first-time founder. You know, you're you're early in your business. You know, we we invest pretty early. Uh, you know, post product but kind of pre-profit. So we want you to have to Justin's point, like maybe one or two customers, but you don't have to have hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue. Uh, so where we invest is early too. That's up to us as good investors to come in and say there's something here, and the way that they just put the work in, we can polish it make sure we sit down with them and say you don't need four developers you need seven because you forgot about the testing team and you know so like we can go in and help them model it out and polish it but this gets back to also how you see Greek, right because now you're coming to me and you know this was me right i was a first time founder never been around entrepreneurs in my life and you know but when i came with my deck i had probably too much stuff right because i was just spending time like i probably need to know this and i need to have this chart I need to. Have this worked out, yeah. and half of it was probably shit, right? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like it was. yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, I was up like middle of the night, tirelessly researching, trying to figure out what I thought I needed. Um, and so, like I said, it's hard to just get into specifics to say I need to. I need you to say these three things. But the fact that you have a map, yeah, and you also have a destination to show me when you give me this $500,000, I'm going to do these things on this map and my destination is over here and I'm going to be profitable because it's going to get me to this many customers and my customers pay me this much a month. The best, the, the way it may change that you get to it, but at least we know where we're trying to go. And it just shows me that you're a founder that I want to work with, that I can sit down yeah. and ideate with and get on a whiteboard. Like That's the kind of stuff that's excites me.
5: So Jewel, is is it important to Barry's point that that I'm going to take in over two years, that's going to take me to profitability or does that 500000 is it okay that that $500,000 takes me to the next round of funding? Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that pressure, like, yo, I got to check. I have to bring a return on this round of funding and not maybe the next round.
3: Visit symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com.
7: That depends on the investor. If you're talking to us at Collab, we are going to try to make a pathway for you to get, take that $500,000, that first investment, and get somewhere close to profitability because that's how our model works and that's what we actually think we want to build businesses that can be profitable and sustainable so that the founders don't have to go out and raise more capital if they don't want to that's our model for a different investor you're going to get a different answer most traditional VC investors profitability is not a focus area in the early first several they actually want you to reinvest any any profits back into the business just go for growth so you really have to know who you're talking to and as the entrepreneur, it's important to know what you want. Do yeah. you want to build a profitable business or do you want to, you know, a venture scale, venture backable business? So that's the the choice.
5: That's, that's really good. But like in the early stages, like Justin, like how should I then value my company? Um, so how do I set the price? Like when do I know, if, if I should set a price or I should, you know, set a price later via a convertible note or a safe or set like what's the best strategy for thinking about how to price a company or not price it?
10: No, that's a great question. Um, for, for our model and for all intents and purposes with, with collab, um, it's not necessary that you price around, um, to, to Barry's point. Um, it's important that you understand what your costs, right? So you have a milestone, you have your OKRs, your KPIs, you know it's going to take us to get from milestone A to milestone B. It's going to take this much work effort and cost, right? It's this much amount of this amount of money. Those things are important. The value we look at it differently. We we look at it again as when you choose the collab capital pathway, you are opting for more ownership of your business, and you're looking for to build a sustainable business that whether you get another penny from outside investment or not, you can employ people in your communities. You can yourself on a nice salary and you can provide for your families and the, the families of your your team members. So our metrics, our measurement tool is slightly different. Now, when you decide to, if you decide, if you are on the collab capital pathway and you decide that or we, you know, through work, we, it, it's revealed that, wow, this actually is a much bigger business or there's a bigger opportunity if we put this on the venture, the traditional VC pathway then what we can do and what we will work with you on is helping you price that round, right? So now you've actually cr- increased the value because you've actually focused on building a viable, profitable business. You don't you can take the money that you want to take. You don't have to be pressured um, or, or feel that, that that amount of pressure from venture capitalists based on their terms. You actually get to set the terms and we're, we'll be happy and glad to do that with you because we've A, been a part of the business long enough to know how the business works and where the profit is and where the, the growth is but then also those warm introductions that people talk about so often are red hot and it's really about finding the best investors that are going to help you get to that that milestone and those exits and those acquisitions that we that we all you know on the VC path you typically would look for while still preserving a larger portion a much larger pers- portion of the the equity stake of the business so um, I hope that answers the question yeah. but that that is the collab
5: answer to that question. Barry, at what stage are you investing? And and if it's pre a, can you define it? Because, you know, you have seed round, you also have pre seed round. And depending on who you're talking to, like, okay, what's the difference between a seed and pre seed? Like, right. So talk to me about that.
8: Uh, you can call it. Any, I don't know. Everybody's come <laughs> up with terms like it was a, a seed. And then when, you know, seeds got too much, like, oh, we need a pre-seed. And now, yeah. but now pre-seeds are a million dollar check. Like, yeah, yeah. It's all over the place. So the way we define it as we want you to be post-product. So we want to see that you can build something. It doesn't have to be the, the, the perfect product, but we want to see that you can deliver something. Yeah. And then we would also like to see that product in the hands of a couple customers. You know, we, we want to see a pilot. We want to see, you know, a couple users on your app and you're getting feedback and, and showing that you can like, you said a couple, what is, what is a
5: couple? Cause you, you said a couple. So my mom used uh, my app. I got a cousin. He used the app. That's a couple. <laughs> I need to know what a couple is. A couple thousand, a couple hundred. That's legit. That's
10: a legit yeah.
8: That, that's a legit question. Um, so we, we say, you know, like five to 10 in, K in revenue. Um, will we go above that and below that in some deals based on the viability of the product and the team? Maybe they're a little bit earlier, but you know, they have a pedigree. Uh, you know, we're, we're investors still, so we feel that we still will have some of that. You know, you've done something before, you've shown your success, maybe, you know, you built that confidence up in investors, so maybe we will do it a little bit earlier. Um, and then also is gonna be, We may take something a little bit earlier if we have a really, really good growth partner in our network that we think can take this thing to the next level and they just need some help, you know. So it'll be some iterations, but I'll say the majority of our investments will will be that kind of post product. You know, you got several thousand dollars in early revenue and we're going to come in get you with some growth partners, um, you know, get your marketing stuff set up, help you with your sales um, and really help you take that in a profitable manner. To, you know, like that 10 million, our, we kind of have this target of getting one to get companies to $10 million in revenue. And that's how we return our fund back to the LPs um, to get our companies to $10 million in revenue at 30% profitability. And so like, that's the train that will get you on once we, you come in at that target. Talk
5: to me about um, Atlanta, but maybe the more broadly the South, but Atlanta specifically about like the tech ecosystem and the wraparound services that offer the opportunity for entrepreneurs to be successful, particularly black entrepreneurs. Like what is it about what is unique about Atlanta, more generally the South, that allows us to thrive?
10: Yeah. Um, man, your, your questions, man, today is just, <laughs> just on point, Will. Um Appreciate I love Atlanta, if you can't tell, um yeah. between my hat and my shirt. Um Atlanta is a special place, Um, and and it really actually stems from, obviously, the civil rights movement um, with Dr. King. Um, We can also talk about the political leadership and the things that were laid out that actually preserved and made way for wealth to be created amongst Black people. So we look look at the world's busiest airport. Like, the world's busiest airport is half named by a Black man because of the energy, the effort, and the intentionality that he had in building a world-class um, airport is, and doing that with Black people um, right there along the way. And so that spirit um, is, is still here and it persists. And I think when you take that into consideration and also add in the layers, right? So you add in great educational institutions in Georgia Tech, got the, my, I called the honorary HBCU of Georgia State. Um, you have three HBCUs <laughs> um, literally right around the corner, like in downtown Atlanta. They're not rural HBCUs. These are you know, urban, you know, urban HBCUs. So you have a lot, you have all the culture and the benefits of that. Then you start throwing in the corporations, the fortune 500s. Um, what that does is it creates a really, really rich network of individuals that are highly connected and highly engaged and, and, and highly creative. And, um, when we start talking about wraparound services, what's really great about Atlanta is there are so many people that do so many things. And so, um, our job is to go and find the best, you know, find the best to actually help our portfolio companies. And so what the wraparound services looks like, it looks like, you know, it's, it looks like having an entertainer as an advisor. It looks like a LaCrae shouting your product out on, on television. It looks like, you know, TI taking a meeting. It, it looks like all these, um, what we would, what some may call like a Mecca, um, um, it, but it's really about a synergetic ecosystem that's that when made efficient, Right when their when platforms, the, the, the institutions are in place to make that network efficient, the results are literally limitless um, and we have access literally to the world with the airport um, and then world-class education and world-class companies that, um, that have the capital to help a lot of companies grow um, and, and increase their values.
5: Oh, that was I a, sprinkle a little something on there, will. Yeah, that was a deeply educated spr- answer right there.
8: Like I'm like <laughs> super impressed by that answer.
5: <laughs> Go ahead, Barry. I want all three of you to do this answer. So,
8: um, and so I mean, just to hit the the, the big major points. Um, but only thing I wanted to sprinkle was that the other really dope thing about Atlanta is that, and it, it, people that are from Atlanta, you know, they they're very stickler about this, but Atlanta has a lot of transplants, right? A lot of people move to Atlanta, whether it's for jobs, whether it's for the culture, the whatever they move to Atlanta for. Um, And so what happens is is in ecosystems like Atlanta, I think this is kind of the the big difference from, like, I would say the other coasts, uh, that when somebody is successful in Atlanta, there's probably another ecosystem that's benefiting. Like, because you you made a bunch of money here and I know I'll let, well, I'm going to say it anyway, just because I'm talking. Uh, but with Dr. Ashley Cephas, right? Like, Park Pick was successful in Atlanta. She's from Jackson, Mississippi. She's successful in Atlanta and goes and buys twelve acres of land in Jackson, Mississippi, to build her tech hub in her hometown. Still lives in Atlanta, but now you see this reach, right? Like you see this reach. Um, there, you know, their other co-founder went to, back to Kansas City, and he's doing work in Kansas City, right? Like. So now you have this reach when things happen in Atlanta that they start to spread to Charlotte and, you know, down to Florida and over here to to Birmingham and Nashville and Memphis and all these places that people move to Atlanta to reach this success, but it doesn't just stay here. And so that's one of the things I love about Atlanta is that the seeds here, they, they grow and germinate in a lot of other places as well. Jewel take this.
7: Man, my partners, they, they, they answered that one, but, One thing I will add is there's something, this is, even though I love Atlanta and I could go on and on about how great Atlanta is, there's something else, which is a tension right now in Atlanta, where there's a fight for the city when it comes to Black leadership, when it comes to Black economic prosperity. And I think that you have an energy around maintaining these things. And so for me, that's what keeps me motivated and keeps me excited is like, We have work to do here still. There's a lot that we have to um, maintain as far as what the the foundations that Maynard Jackson set so many years ago. There's work for this new generation, those of us who have decided to land here. So that for me is like the thing of, okay, we can't let the hard work that happened 40 and 50 years ago go to waste. We have to make sure that we're maintaining the positions that we have. We have to make sure that What, you know, the sad part of the city where you do still have a huge gap as it relates to the haves and the have nots, even in the black community, there's work to be done. And so I'm excited about the fact that we get to do that work here and showcase what can happen when there's intentional efforts in a city where you have leadership in these different spots. The fact that Barry is over Techstars' social impact and is building companies here in Atlanta, that is not by mistake. The fact that Justin, you know, founded with Joey Womack, Goody Nation, to build social impact companies here in Atlanta is not by mistake. The fact that I took on the role to lead Google for startups here in Atlanta is not by mistake. So we're doing all these things to really set a, a different path for the city, building on what we've seen, um, you know, from the past.
5: And Jill, I'll give you this this final thing, and then I'll ask um, some other questions. Uh, ancillary question to all of you is, um, you wrote a post, um, a little while ago called why I always have two jobs. Um, and there was a quote in there that I I particularly stuck out for me. It was said, although I was able to make a life changing amount of money through the sale of part pick, I've always viewed this as a foundation of general generational wealth for my family, not as a personal victory. Um, can you talk about the, the personal responsibility you felt to, not just ball out and go, you know, go get the grill, right? I know the grill's <laughs> on order, right? <laughs> but to, you know, also turn around and reinvest um, that reward into your family and to other entrepreneurs. Like, how important is it that we as Black people who do something, who do reach that finish line and get that exit, make get that bag, not just take it selfishly, but to keep that not that it's not saying that you can't do that stuff, go get the grill. If that's what you want to do. <laughs> but how important is it that we reinvest into our communities, our people?
7: Yeah, it's critical. It, we, I don't think we cannot rely on anybody else to save us but ourselves. And it's going to take all of us who have achieved some level of success to go back, turn around, help somebody else out. I mean, in my opinion, and maybe that's just the way I was wired, the way I grew up, but it it's a duty, it's a responsibility. Um, and and also it's it's like I have the skills, I have the knowledge, I have to give it to somebody else. Yeah. So for me, that's is just really important. And I would not feel right if I, you know, retired and said, okay, Deuces, I, I made what I need to make. I'm out here, I'm out of here um it's like no i need to make sure that the next person the tracy pickett's of the world you know can do 10 times what i did I, I i think that we know enough to make sure that the next one is bigger and better and if i can be a facilitator of that that to me is like everything then i can go and retire yeah, with the grill.
5: <laughs> but- no, no i'm i'm <laughs> <laughs> gonna see Joel pull up to the office tomorrow with a grill boy that's gonna be crazy. <laughs> Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech and is produced by Morgan DeBon and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Raven Earbore. A special thank you to Micah Davis and Saqqara Savignan. You know, like the wine? Yes, that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. Go get your money. Peace and love. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that 3 hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work, in traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes, to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
4: If you haven't heard, it's a good idea to fit probiotics into your daily routine. Fortunately, Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls make that so easy. These adorable little pearls couldn't be easier to take, and they support both digestive and vaginal health all because of the probiotics. There are actually one billion active cultures protecting against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort, all in one tiny little pearl. To learn more about Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls and how they can fit into your routine, visit
12: naturesway.com. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health.